just about human happiness. It's a picture to the world of the faithfulness of Jesus and his church, his bride. So marriage, the most foundational of interpersonal relationships is not about just a man and a woman and creating a family. It's about a picture to the world of Jesus and the church. Kids are always asking questions. How does it work? Why are you doing that? When will we be there? But you don't have to be a kid to ask questions. Today, Pastor Daniel begins a new series answering your questions about faith and life. As he focuses on questions related to family and relationships, Pastor Daniel shares that the starting point is an understanding that marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus and the church. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 19 as he begins a new message, All in the Family. As we break open this brand new series that we're calling Really, we've been asking you for your questions. And so what we've been doing is we've been compiling all those questions. And then Pastor Bill and I are going to be taking these questions and answering them for you. Now, we were able to take a number of the questions and we were able to put them under certain headings or categories. And so... For some of these messages, there's going to be one overarching theme that has specific questions to it. We will have a couple what I'm going to probably call grab bag messages, where there are certain questions that you can't do a whole message on it, but you can give a good five minute. And we'll take some messages that are just like that, where there's all different questions that we're going to take. So we felt that it was appropriate, given the number of questions that we received about things that have to do with marriage, divorce, remarriage, people living together and parenting that we figured to be a good idea to address, obviously not all of those, but a bunch of them. So we want to jump on in. Now, I think we want to begin anytime you're talking about relationships with the reality that relationships are all about covenant. Relationships are all about covenant. Now, a covenant literally means it's a pronouncement that establishes a relationship of responsibility. We probably never think about it that way, but a covenant is a pronouncement that establishes a relationship of responsibility. We may never have thought about it this way, but the reality is, is that when you have a friendship and you share something with that friend and that friend then goes and tells everybody on Facebook, you have an issue with your friend, right? Why? Because your relationship, there is a responsibility there and that friend, quote unquote, has just broken that responsibility. So whether we articulate it or not, all relationships have responsibility baked into it. And when people break 
that covenant of responsibility, the relationship gets severed on a certain level. We all agree on that. Does that make sense? Now, the reason relationships are all about covenant is because God is relational in the essence of who he is. And all human interpersonal relationships are all based on the covenant that God has made with humanity. The Bible is full of covenants. There are whole theological systems of looking at the Bible based on covenant. We have the covenant that God made with Adam, which is called the Adamic covenant. There's the covenant that God made with Noah, with the rainbow. That's called the Noahic covenant. There's the Abrahamic covenant, which we're studying on Thursday nights, where God promised to bless him and make him a great nation and give him a land. And in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There's the Mosaic covenant, the covenant that God made with the children of Israel when he delivered them from Egypt. There's the Davidic covenant, which was the covenant that God made with David, that one of David's descendants will sit on the throne of Israel forever. And we know that all of these covenants have their fulfillment in the new covenant, the covenant where God places his spirit inside a person and gives us new hearts. And that new covenant was blood bought at Calvary's cross by Jesus. You can sum up from Genesis to Revelation in this one concept of covenant. God making a sovereign pronouncement that he has a responsible relationship with either individuals or nations or all of mankind. And you might say, well, Pastor Daniel, that's all great and stuff, but show that to me in the Bible, which is a great question. It says, what good is it of spouting out about covenant without being able to prove it from God's word. So open up in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. This is a very common, hotly debated section. In Ephesians chapter 5, this is speaking of the roles of wives and husbands. It says this in verse 22 of Ephesians 5. Wives... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, this is where this text starts to get strange, because look at what Paul says in verse 26 that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, I don't know about you, but Ephesians chapter five sure sounds like the apostle Paul's got a little ADD. Because he's talking about husbands and wives and the roles of husbands and the roles of wives 
but he's really not because he ends up veering off to talk about Jesus and the church. Why? Because the union of a man and a woman in marriage isn't just about human happiness. It's a picture to the world of the faithfulness of Jesus and his church, his bride. So marriage, the most foundational of interpersonal relationships is not about just a man and a woman and creating a family. It's about a picture to the world of Jesus and the church. And it's with this framework that relationships are all about covenant that I want to launch into some teaching about marriage, divorce, remarriage, celibacy, and all these things. Now, what I want to do is I want to use one primary text, which is Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 to 12. So you can turn there. Matthew chapter 19. And I'm going to use 1 Corinthians chapter 7 as a supplemental text. So keep your Bible open to Matthew 19. But if you want, flip to 1 Corinthians 7, stick your finger in there. Or you can grab your spouse's finger and have them do the placeholding for you if you like. Or your neighbor. I mean, this is church. It's okay. Now we begin with a look at marriage. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. Now it came to pass... When Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, this teaches us simply that marriage is the foundational interpersonal covenant. Marriage is the foundational interpersonal covenant. If you recall right here in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 to 6, they come to Jesus and they say, look, is it okay for us to divorce our wives for any reason we want to? And Jesus says, have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. See, Jesus, when they ask him about divorce, he takes them back to creation. And he quotes two verses from the creation account, Genesis 1.27 and 2.24. You have to realize that other than our relationship with God, when God created everything, and specifically humanity, that the marriage... Relationship. That covenant is the foundational relationship. That's the most important. In some ways, you could call it the parent relationship in the sense that if for those of you who know music, and even if you don't know music, I can explain it to you really quickly. We all know do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, right? We all heard the sound of music. 
sang it. That's the major scale. And if you're studying music, the major scale is the foundational scale by which every other scale is derived. A minor scale is considered minor because of the way it's different from the major scale. The major scale is the overarching, the foundational scale, and everything else has its understanding based on how it's different from that. Marriage is the same thing for humans. Marriage is the overarching foundational interpersonal covenant. And every way we look at relationships or how they exist in relationship to this. So the reality is, is Jesus takes these men back to creation and says to them, look, God made them male and female. And for this reason, for a marriage, a man will leave his father and mother and the two will create a new family. So we need to start there, that marriage between a man and a woman is the foundational interpersonal covenant from the beginning and all the way through. Does that make sense? So God values marriage. God values marriage so much that he made it the crowning jewel in creating humanity. He created the male and female and said, look, I want you to live in covenant together. I want you to be together. I want you to have a marriage. Now, from there, because the question is about divorce, we learn this, that divorce is an attempt to sever the covenant. Divorce is an attempt to sever the covenant. Do you see at the very end of verse 6, Jesus says, therefore. And what do you hear me say every Sunday when we see the therefore? What's it there for? That's a good, right? That's Bible interpretation 101. Therefore is always a conclusion sentence. It's because of this, therefore, now I'm going to make a conclusion. And Jesus says in verse 6 of Matthew chapter 19, he says this. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Then he goes on. He said to them, why then, they ask him, did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And in verse 8, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Wow. So now, divorce is an attempt to sever the covenant. Now, I use that word, it's an attempt very specifically, because the reality is, is that these covenants that God has joined together, you can try and separate them, but you never really do. And anybody who has been married and been divorced, you know what I'm talking about, because although you're no longer married, there's still so many things that are tied up in that original relationship. So it's an attempt to sever it because in a sense, it's never really quite severed. Okay, now 
In Jesus's day, there were two schools of thought. There was one school, which was the kind of the more liberal school, which was put forth by a rabbi named Hillel, who said, look, you can just divorce your wife for any reason you want. If you like your eggs over medium and she makes them over way too easy, then you could just put her out. You could just say, look, man, you're just not getting it done for me. And, you know, arrivederci. You know, and for some of you ladies, like, man, thank God it's not like that. I think about my poor wife, Lynn, my grandma, my grandma should have a cooking show. The three foot, six inch grandma who can cook her face off, you know, and my grandma's great, but it's like, you know, can you imagine that? Like my poor wife, you know, it's like my grandma can cook and my wife, if she had to live up to that, it'd be bad. If I was under the Hillel school, you know, you could just write her a certificate of divorce. She just doesn't make the meatballs that good. And she's out of here. My wife's a good cook, though, so I'm blessed. But, I mean, you can tell, you know. (laughs) But there's one school of thought that says you can get a divorce for any old reason. It's kind of, I can call that the American school of marriage. Just get divorced, you know. It's like, try it on. If you outgrow it, then get rid of it. There was another school, the school of a rabbi named Shimei, which was the much more conservative school, which said, look, No, you can't get divorced. And what's interesting is Jesus here comes down on the side of Shimei. Because he goes on and he says to them, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. So divorce happens because of the hardness of our hearts. That's why it happens. Now, in this chapter here, we get one of the justifications for divorce. In Matthew 19, 9, he said, except for sexual immorality, in verse 9. Do you see that right there? Whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality. So one biblical justification for divorce is adultery within marriage. When one spouse strays, and defiles the marriage bed, that is a potential justification for divorce. The other reason, if you remember, I told you we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 7. If you turn to 1 Corinthians 7, we get the second, and that second is abandonment. Look at what it says in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 7. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So there's two biblical justifications for divorce. One, if adultery happens, and two, if a spouse is abandoned by their spouse. Those are the two biblical justifications for divorce. Now, Although not in the scriptures, I think it's also fair to say that when there is physical abuse, that that is also a justification because when a spouse is acting so far outside of God's design, you kind of can't hold someone to covenant when their life is in danger because that goes completely against God's heart. So we have to realize marriage is the foundational covenant. Now, divorce is an attempt to try and break that covenant. Jesus says, and it's very provocative, which says this, 
Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. You see that, right? What that teaches us is this, is that what God has joined together, let no one separate. So don't separate it. Don't separate it. I bring, every time I've ever done premarital counseling, I bring couples to this verse. I say, you see this right here? If you are a Christian and you are getting married, this says that you, there's no out in this. You are in this for life. You're in this for life. And I think that's important because that's God's design. That's his design. That we are in this committed covenant relationship for life. Why? Because God is in the relationship with you and I for life. That's why. Now, with that being said, I realize that there are all sorts of people who got married and got divorced before they came to know Christ. Right? Now, I want to say to you all, God's grace covers it. And the mistakes that you made before you got saved, God is not going to curse you to a life of singleness because you were outside of Christ and you made a ton of terrible decisions. Okay? So if you made mistakes before you got saved, if you made mistakes before you got saved, receive God's grace because God's grace is for you. But if you're here today and you are a Christian and you are contemplating divorce, I am here to tell you that you are in sin. I can't say it any straighter than that. If you are a Christian and there hasn't been these justifiable things and you are contemplating leaving your spouse, then you are in rebellion in your heart against God. And you need to turn from that rebellion to God and say, Lord, I realize that you do not abandon me with my failings and you are patient and long-suffering with me in all the ways that I fall short. And God, give me that same heart for my spouse. And you know what, Lord? In the process, will you give them the same heart for me? Divorce happens because of the hardness of our hearts. And we all know what that's like, don't we? We all struggle with hardness of our hearts. And it's interesting that with this discussion of divorce, the disciples say, man, if that's the case, it's better for us not to get married. (laughs) It's kind of a, I mean, that's in your Bible, a classic statement. They're like, wow, this is seriously for life. Maybe we shouldn't get married. Because they realize the gravity, the seriousness of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel began a new series by answering your questions about family and marriage. You learn that for those who walk with God, marriage is for life. Just like God doesn't abandon you when you mess up or disregard Him, you need to stay in there with your spouse. Recognizing your own need for grace and forgiveness is so important because it keeps your heart soft and humble. Pastor Daniel encouraged you to ask God to give you His perspective and fill you his love for your spouse. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. 
thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about singleness. You'll discover that singlehood is a unique opportunity to serve the Lord. Pastor Daniel shares that those who are unmarried don't have to be concerned with what their family needs, but can follow the Lord's leading right away and with fewer distractions. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Really. Until then, may God bless.